0: Hello, and welcome to the Faith for Work podcast from Biblical Business Training. On this podcast, we share stories from Christian leaders who are living out BBT's mission and vision of faith for work and leadership for life. I'm your host, Jordan Dollar, and I hope this podcast empowers you to take your faith to all the places where God sends you. Thank you so much for joining us for our second season of the Faith for Work podcast. It's been a tough year for me personally, as I've had to work through some health issues. And so we didn't release as many episodes as we had planned for the year. But I'm blessed to be part of a great team that supports one another and made sure that the ministry of BBT continued uninterrupted. This year, we had some amazing guests, and for this last episode of 2022, I want to go back and really distill out the most important lessons from our six guests and seven episodes. Today is 2022 in Review, the best lessons for living your faith at work from Season 2. We began Season 2 with Dr. Brian Dick. Brian is a vocational psychologist whose work focuses on the intersection of faith and work. We discussed how people are healthier when they're living integrated rather than segmented lives. So we're, we're talking about redeeming work. What would redeeming my work do for me? What would it do for the world and for God's kingdom?
1: Well, I think redeemed work is work that we carry out in response to really three questions. The first is, what's God's created intent? For my sphere of influence, whether that's agriculture or architecture, uh, to X-ray technology and zoology and everything in between, you know, what is God's created intent for this? How have the effects of sin distorted it, uh, made it not the way it's supposed to be, made it difficult and toilsome? And then, how can I, with God's help, partner with Christ to work to bring this sphere of influence back into alignment? with shalom to me there's something that's just very grounding and exciting and motivating and life-giving to thinking about my work that way of course it's it's not easy it's very challenging there's lots of difficult questions and experiences that you know we have to kind of work through Uh, but to me those are the key questions and that's the journey Um, And and when we experience that, then there's just this sense of peace, I think, that comes from, you know, uh, I'm my story is aligning with God's broader story for the world. Uh, And I think God is glorified in that. I think that helps contribute to making the world better. And ultimately, it's a stewardship issue. Am I using my gifts in ways um, that are glorifying God, making the world better, and you know, if, if your answer is is yes, then I think you're experiencing a kind of joy that
0: comes from real integration. Brian then discussed with us the psychological insights that he adds to the faith elements in order to build a more comprehensive picture of what God is calling us to do. These are
1: individual differences characteristics that psychologists have studied, uh, and and identified ways that those things um, relate to good outcomes in career discernment. So interests uh, refer to what we enjoy, what we're curious about, values, you know, what we need in a work environment in order to be satisfied, personality, what are our characteristic tendencies our traits, and then ability, what are our skills, you know, what are the things at which we excel. And the way those things fit together, you can think about it using the metaphor of, of a boat with a a rudder and a motor. So the rudder determines the direction that the boat goes and interests and values function like the rudder. So the things I enjoy, things that are important to me, that helps influence the direction. And then things like personality and ability determine or function like the motor that determines how fast and how far we go in that direction. Um, But to me, the evidence suggests it's really essential to start With interests and values, because we might be able to develop skills in a domain, but if we're not interested in that domain, it's still not going to be something that's life-giving to us. You need to be both motivated and uh, then develop the skills within that. Um, So to me, this is how God made us, right? And it's simply kind of leveraging what makes us unique, our gifts. I use that gifts very broadly to include all the ways that we're unique. And those four things are, are what psychologists have identified as key things to pay attention to. And fortunately, we have reliable and valid ways of measuring those things. You know, this is how God made us. These are uh, qualities that make us unique, uh, that God sort of blessed us with. And we're different from each other uh, along these lines. Uh, but fortunately, there are ways to, to measure these things reliably and validly. And to me, Paying attention to that kind of information is is just sort of a sound way of making informed choices.
0: Our second interview this season was with our CEO and Executive Director, Lori Drury, as she was just beginning her new position at BBT. In this clip, she shares with us how she came to be in this role and how she was involved in BBT long before she first began as our Communication Director. So you were involved with BBT a long time before you worked for BBT. You you were around the process of its founding and you saw some of that and you've been a group participant, you've been a group leader. So out of all that, what really drew you to make this your career working at BBT?
2: You know, it was something that God was calling me to make a career change. Didn't know what that was, um, but I realized a lot of Uh, corporate careers, you had to be a specialist. And I was never a specialist in one thing. I always dabbled in a little bit of everything. I could build the website, but make it look pretty. Um, I could, uh, fundraise. I could, um, work on spreadsheets. You know, I, I did a little bit of everything because even though I worked in corporate, it, it had a small company feel where, everybody did a little bit of everything. And so to specialize in just one thing, it, it really kind of set me back and said, I don't know that I could just do one of those things. Um, and so the appeal with, um, biblical business training was that I could do all of those things again. It, it was the appeal of, of kind of going back to a small footprint again. Um, but also having a purpose, having a um, a reason and a service uh, oriented function for what I was doing. It was helping people to get over those barriers of uh, studying the Bible together. It's, it's an intimidating thing. Uh, it's hard to know where to start, but we have the tools to do that. And so that ability to be able to help people and really connect them with resources and see the transformation that comes with that. Uh, You know, I lived it in a group and um, got to see it firsthand. And so to then flip on the other side and become staff meant that I could help more people do that because I knew what it was like. I knew what it was like to not feel comfortable leading. And then helping others by leading and um, really creating that community aspect within a group. You know, it's something that I never expected going into um, start, you know, participating in a group or uh, being a part of a group. But now it's something that when I'm not in a group, I can tell that I'm needing that community. I'm needing that uh, fulfillment. Um My husband actually calls it my spiritual caffeine. When I don't get my spiritual caffeine, (laughs) I'm not the same person.
0: (laughs) You and I are both big fans of earthly caffeine as well. Right. Lori, what's the importance of workplace focused Bible study, specifically application based Bible study?
2: Workplace uh, applicable Bible study means that you're taking the word of God and understanding how it applies to what you're doing every day. We spend 40 hours a week, sometimes more at our work. And, um, that's where we have seen good and bad in people, right? People at their best times and people at their worst times and everything in between. And to not have, um, you know, a Christ-centered approach to that means that we're not showing up as our best selves. Our
0: next interview was with Kim Davidson, a Bible study leader and entrepreneur who also has a long history with BBT. Kim Davidson is the CEO of ET Superior Facility Management Services Incorporated, and she shared with us the story of the founding of the business and how it has served to create and carry on legacy for her and for her family.
3: Uh, we've been in business now about over 20 years, I know, and um, it has been a blessing from start to finish. And what I realized today, Jordan, is my dad, Earl Thomas, he started this business way before my sister and I were even thought about of even having any type of uh, legacy and, and continuing on. Um But, you know, when I was a little girl, I used to see my dad praying on his knees and not having any idea of uh, who he was praying to or what he was praying or really actually what he was doing. I learned now that those were seeds that he was planting for our family and those prayers, those seeds that he was planting are still flourishing over 20 years later. We service over 5 million square feet of office and warehouse space across the country. And it's just been a blessing. It's just, I have to say, God has really shown me some favor.
0: You were saying that prayer was was a part of the founding of the business, beginning with your father's prayers, beginning and then continuing through your time of discernment. I know that prayer is still a key part of your business. Could you tell us a little bit about your management team's prayer call and and how that's helped and blessed the company?
3: Um, Every Tuesday, uh, my management team, who is a phenomenal group of people, they meet every Tuesday at 2.30. I started the meeting, the Zoom meeting, as a platform to gather everybody together and to give them time to discuss what's going on in each facility, get to know, to build those relationships with one another. They got so excited about it and looked so forward to having those meetings. Then I added a little bit more to it. And then I just, we say things about God and we, um, tell one another that we're going to pray for each other and things of that nature. And things just kind of took a turn for the better when we felt comfortable enough sharing our faith together in the workplace and being able to take the workplace issues and turn them into prayer and to see how God has answered them in It just gets better and better every week. Everybody's looking forward to it. They're bringing their issues. They're bringing their personal things that are going on personally in their lives that we want to know about because we're in relationship with them and we work with them and we're family. And so we get to be a part of one another's lives. And that's what makes our business such a success. Jordan, Et Superior is is the platform that has been provided for Et Superior to do ministry, and I don't take that lightly. I believe that um, employees are part of God's plan, and. When I believe that when he brings people into my space, into my life, that it is my responsibility to minister to them. I've been in several situations where we would end up having, calling a work meeting to find out one of our employees is homeless. And how do you move past that without helping? that person, that employee, that family member. Um, They are so humbled not to even mention their personal situation, but I'm so blessed to be able to help them. That's ministry. And I get to do it in my company. And I always say, and my brothers used to laugh at me, I say, this is God's business. And so we run it according to the word of God. And he blesses our business because we are being good stewards over what he's blessed us with.
0: Our fourth guest of the year was Juliet Casita. Juliet is a lifelong entrepreneur and equipper of entrepreneurs, as well as the country manager for Synapis Group Uganda, a global Christian organization blending intensive entrepreneurship training with faith-based principles and access to capital. Juliet gave us so many amazing insights that we had to release a bonus episode to ensure that we could share with you as much as possible. From these two interviews, we're sharing with you an amazing story of a time that her faith helped her to succeed in business.
4: Now I just remember a scenario in 2020 when COVID struck, I think it was in March when my country was locked down. Um, Earlier on in 2018, I had just started a herbal tea house out of a passion and a passion of such that I just love taking herbal tea. Um, but again, I thought about that. I said, how do I get it out of a passion just in my house to make sure that you know this service or this product gets out to other people and along that I can employ other people along that way. So the last two years of COVID-19 and the lockdown, we experienced a situation where we couldn't move like completely locked down we couldn't move you were home you couldn't travel and all that and then i sat down and just thought about um at this particular herbal tea house it's called chai and mo i had two girls that had been working with me and uh, one of them is um, my sister and then i had another one who was helping out Now, after we had been locked down, I mean, it was okay, you can be home, um, you're working with snappies, probably you still have a paycheck and all these other things. But then I started thinking about these people, what is going to happen if we don't continue producing the tea and all the products. So I took a step of faith and just decided that I was going to call them into my home and then we were going to close the other premises because we couldn't uh, access them. Um, And by faith, um, while we were home in the lockdown, I started testing a few recipes. And while testing those recipes, I started trusting that the customers would order for some of them. I would try out some, give a few people to test, give a little bit of the responses, and then over a period of time, we would put them to the market. But remember, we were closed down. But one of the things that uh, actually hit me hard for the first few months we never had any cells that would support these girls. And remember, they were in my home. So for those first few months, I actually paid them from my salary, from my savings. And as the the lockdown continued, I was depleting the salary, I mean the, the savings, and I got so concerned. But, you know, I kept trusting God that we shall get the orders, we shall get great orders from these new recipes, And in this season, people are going to continue ordering. The sales will increase, and I will not have to chase and take these girls back home. At the time when I was at my weakest, when I felt like I am running out, I had been trusting God, and I said, God, you brought this business. Do you want to tell me that you don't care about these girls? How am I going to send them home? And in the midst of that, I remember later in September 2021, I got a great order. They had released us a little bit uh, where, I mean, uh, private cars would move and everything. I got a great order from one of the ministries and that resulted into, you know, the sales we made in that great order, that event, I was able to pay their salaries over and beyond to the extent that I said, if they uh, they lock us down for the next six months, I have a paycheck for these girls. For me, that was faith. The workers stayed on the payroll all through. It has been a journey of faith all through. Faith in creating the product, faith in, in the service, faith in even uh, believing that this solves a customer's problem, faith that the customer need is being made, and faith that every time I made the cold calls, they would turn into hot leads, including that um, order I got from the ministry.
0: Our next two guests were a husband and wife team. Greg Boss Wooldridge is the only commanding officer to lead the Blue Angels for three separate tours. He was selected because of his demonstrated ability to build teams where communication, trust, and teamwork took precedence over rank and status. Deborah Wooldridge is a consultant with Kepner Trigo, where she partners with clients to remove the noise that paralyzes decision-makers to help them solve problems permanently and manage risk effectively. Greg spoke about how the debriefing process he instituted at the Blue Angels can help build high-performing teams.
5: When I got to the Blue Angels, I saw a way of doing business that I hadn't seen in in almost 20 years of Navy life and and in command of of a unit. You know, it it just changed. It was something totally uh, different in its transparency between all members of the squadron, uh, your willingness to divulge how you could do better because you had done this wrong, you know, without fear, fear removed. And that all goes back to the culture of the Blue Angels based on trust and gratitude. One of our favorite sayings, every day we said to each other, glad to be here because we genuinely we're glad to be here and that's what i found in the blue angels that was was changing first of all you have to have a debrief right you have to decide to spend the time to talk about what you've just done it doesn't matter what size of a work group you have you know you're introducing a new a new product a new idea uh, and and there's people that work together so you need to have a way to talk about how that went that's the starter right there. And you need to say, well, this going to take a half hour, you know, or, or it could be taken two minutes. It could be walking down the hallway, uh, with your, uh, with your partner there or your wingman and saying, well, how do you think that went? Well, the key is whoever is the leader, whoever is the boss has to set the tone. The boss comes in in the debrief and what I did, well, I'd come into the debrief and I'd say. Well, you know, it was a pretty good day. I think we we got our flight out. I think the people enjoyed the the, the demonstration. Here are my safeties. Here's what I did wrong. You open that door. The transparency, the uh, the take the fear out of that that environment. You're trying to get to the the right cause, the right cause of what created issues, not to get it in your own way, but to find. The way that it happened the real way it happened so i start out and i say you know i, I you know i was 50 feet low at, at this one pass we did and uh, i know what i was looking at i got distracted and i can i can fix that so you take ownership of of what you're saying you could have done better so that's another key point of the debrief is the ownership and the, the accountability right but it's transparency so I would say all that, you know, and I had these two or three things that I could have done better and I'll fix it. And then it goes to the, the wingmen start talking about it, and then the support officers. But so in your group, you know, the leader comes in and opens up, says, you know, doggone it. I, I should have given you more time, more resources uh, and, uh, you know, get specific and say this is what happened. And, and next time you're going to you can be assured you'll have the assets to do better with this project or whatever it might be. And then the next person comes in the line and says to me, it was a, yeah, boss, uh, uh, I, I, I turn right when I should have turned left, you know, uh, in, with the airplane and, and, uh, and I'll fix it. And then, but I'm, i was out of position for this one maneuver and I've been out of position the last three times we've flown and I don't know how to fix it. So the, I fix it, I'll fix it is important, but if you don't know, you open up to the mentoring. There's always going to be somebody that's probably seen that same that same uh, challenge. And they'll say, well, this is how I handle this. And it, it's a loving mentoring environment. So you're transparent. You're open. You're not going to get fired. You're glad to be there. And we, call it a, we called it a glad to be here debrief. Um, but it was so different. It's just so darn different. When I go out and speak to companies and associations and teams and folks like that, that's the secret sauce. That's why I want to talk to you. I want to express to you how you can make your home life better, you know, for, for example, but your business better, May bring you to the top of the performance pyramid.
0: Deborah spoke with us about her specialty, evaluating the available information and building a discipline of asking the right questions.
6: The interesting thing, Jordan, is that what the two um, research scientists, uh, Ben Trigo and Chuck Kepner, learned early in their research, was that those that were able to bring order to the chaos of information actually had a very methodical, rational way they went about asking questions. And also what is fascinating is that the questions that you ask to solve a problem are entirely different from the set of questions you ask to make a decision, which are entirely different than the questions you should, you should ask to manage risk. And most people don't see that distinction. And so when we begin to teach people that there are distinctions in the way in which they ask questions to get to the results that they're looking for, the best decision in the situation, the problem solved, or the future risk managed, that there are different sets of questions that you should ask to be successful.
0: So many of our listeners are entrepreneurs. Uh, they're starting businesses. They're in the small stages. Um, and you know they, they may not yet feel they're in the place where they've got a large organization that needs processes. At the same time, you know they're doing some of the most experimental, trial and error work at this phase that they're ever going to do. So, um, what are, are just a, a question or two that you would encourage someone in that situation to ask about their business?
6: Well, the, and and you make a very good point. Oftentimes, when we're working with organizations, they're in a transition, right, from entrepreneurial to a more stable and a large organization where they do have to have processes in place to get work done around the joint. But everybody, whether you're entrepreneurial or whether you're in a big organization, must deal with massive amounts of data. All this information is at your fingertips. So whether you're entrepreneurial or whether you're working for a large organization, you must manage massive amounts of information to be successful. So I would encourage people, even though entrepreneurial, that whether they have very rigid or formal processes in place yet, that they won't be successful unless they have good critical thinking processes, even if there's two or three of them, or 10 of them, in order to to communicate and resolve problems. Because whether, in fact, when you're entrepreneurial, there are many decisions you must make, many risks you must manage, many problems you must solve. And the priority, what we call situation appraisal, which is our priority setting methodology, is essential for you to focus on what is relevant to the success of your business and not be distracted by all the shiny information around you that won't get you to the end result you're looking for.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for this review of 2022's podcast guests. I am so blessed to be able to conduct these interviews and meet with these amazing people. I hope that you have been blessed by their insights as well. To learn more about these guests or to hear their episodes in full or check out our first season, visit b-b-t.org faithforwork to see a full episode history and bios for all our guests. If you want to learn more about BBT and how to start your own workplace Bible study, check out our Frequently Asked Questions episode, the one immediately preceding this one. Or visit b-b-t.org and click the Start Leading button at the top to complete a form to receive more information via email. Wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, May you have a blessed day. And if you're listening to this in the week immediately following its release, may you have a Merry Christmas and a Blessed New Year.